My name is Brent, um, and I have the honor of serving as pastor here, and I'm just, uh, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled for this expansion that we are um, undertaking and that we are now uh, having two services. And here's the good news. Uh, I worked out all the kinks in the sermon first round, so it's going to be smooth for you guys, okay? Um, we're in this series. Uh, it's called You Asked For It. And the premise of the series is... Uh, we, we, we submitted a survey to the congregation at Easter, and we said, what are the subjects, what are the topics, what are the questions that you have that you want to hear about from the Bible? Uh, and so people wrote in all different kinds of things, and we took the top um, several uh, subjects, and then we've just done a series. We've designed a series around them. And the, the, one of the number one issues or questions or topics that came up is the issue of forgiveness, now, forgiveness kind of seems like a no-brainer, right? We're at church, forgiveness, that's easy. But really, forgiveness is a very, very difficult, difficult topic to talk about. And it's a very difficult thing to do because it grates against our natural tendency. It is not baked in us to just be willing to forgive. We just don't naturally say, yeah, I've been insulted, I've been harmed, I've been hurt. No problem, I forgive you, right? In fact, our first instinct is to do just the opposite. I want to try a little uh, social experiment um, on you today, so if you will indulge me, uh, just for the moment. I want you to turn to the person on your right, just the person on your right, and I'm going to have you say something to them. You don't have to mean it, but I just want you to say it, all right? It'll all resolve at the end. Turn to the person to your right and say, I don't like you. Say it. Okay, you don't have to give the reasons. You don't have to. And don't say anything back to them. We've completely lost control. Totally lost. Okay, now you weren't supposed to say something back to the person on your left. How many of you did that, though? How many of you? Yeah, okay, there's some guilty parties out here. Okay. We don't like that, right? Immediately when somebody says, I don't like you, what do we want to say? We want to say, I don't like you either right? We want to retaliate. We want things to be even. We want to even the score whenever somebody harms us. And that's why I'm calling this sermon today, Even Stephen, because we just want to get back. When somebody insults you, you want to insult them back. Somebody harms you, you want to harm them back. When somebody makes fun of you or mocks you, you want to make fun of them back or mock them back. I don't know about you, but I, 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 when I'm driving, um, it, it, it happens more noticeably than at other times. Uh, if I get cut off on the highway, if I'm driving along, somebody cuts me off, my first instinct is to be like, oh, really? Slam on the gas, come around, cut you off, and then just kind of back off the gas a little bit and kind of chill. Like, that's what I just did. You cut me off. I, and then my wife's like, wait, we have kids in the car. And I'm like, that's a good point. Uh, not going to do that this time. In fact, we were driving recently. We were, we were on a date night, and so we were taking our kids to the babysitter. And apparently, I inadvertently cut somebody off, um, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> and, and this person comes driving around the side. And now, this is like a, a, a well-put-together, middle-aged couple, you know, like in a nice car, nice clothes. The wife's got a little cardigan and pearls, you know. And the, everything's all nice. 
And the guy comes up, and I'll go sideways so you can see it. The guy pulls up beside me, like looks past his wife, raises his hand, and flips me the bird. I mean, just big as you please. And I got to tell you, my first instinct as I'm driving was to do the same thing to him. And it's somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm going, you're a pastor, man. You're a pastor. You're a pastor. Right? But my hand was still coming up at that point. And so what I did, I was fairly proud of myself. What I did is I went like this. Nice. I gave him the A-OK sign. And I gave him the face that says, I don't really mean A-OK. You know what I mean, pal. Right? I wanted to get even. My wife was like, okay, can we just make, can we exit here, please? Um, it's just our natural tendency. It's the way we've always been. You read the scripture, Genesis, you know, describes the very first uh, murder in the Bible is a revenge murder. Cain murders his brother because his brother got a blessing and he didn't get the blessing and he wanted to get even Stephen with his brother and so he killed him, right? It's just sort of baked into us. We just immediately, our first impulse is retaliation and revenge, uh, a group of Swiss researchers did a lot of work on this idea of revenge. They wanted to understand what that impulse was about. And so they actually did a game in a lab where they brought these people together uh, and they had somebody cheat the other person in the game. So there was a, it was a finance game and they had them cheat them. Um, and then they gave the person who was cheated a full minute to contemplate the kind of revenge or retaliation that they would like to take upon the person who had harmed them, okay? And then they recorded the activity of the brain during this uh, experiment. And what they found is that while that person was ruminating about the kind of revenge or retaliation that they would like to uh, extract against this other person, the, the pleasure center of the brain was lit up. They were like, they were enjoying thinking about what they were going to do to this person to get them back. But the experiment didn't end there because they then allowed some of the people to actually retaliate in the game. And what they thought they would find is that the people who retaliated actually had this sort of cathartic moment. They released the negative emotion. They felt good. Everything was even Steven. They would be happier. They would be more satisfied. They would be more at ease. And they found it was just the opposite. The people who exacted revenge were the people who ended up ruminating on this wrong that was done to them. They just thought about it. They just contemplated it. They just chewed on it and mold on it on and on and on until they basically became deeply bitter about the person who wronged them, even though they had been the ones who retaliated. So in our minds, we may think, yeah, you know, what, what, what I'd love to do is get back. But it doesn't, it, it's, a bitter, it's a bitter pill to swallow. It's got a real sweet sugary coating. For the first 60 seconds you're thinking about revenge, it's great. It tastes sweet. But when you actually start to try to do it and retaliate, it just turns into a bitter, toxic, eat-you-up-inside kind of activity in your mind. Uh, Jesus, oh, before we get to Jesus, Francis Bacon, um, (laughs) the philosopher said this. He said, a man studieth revenge, a man that studieth revenge keeps his own wounds fresh, which otherwise would heal. While you're thinking about what you want to do to get back to that other person, it's just eating you up inside. It's a bitter, bitter 
pill. There's a great moment in the Bible where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking to them about how to resolve conflict. So, you know, when we're struggling with somebody, somebody does something to you and he gives this very, it gives this great description of how to resolve conflict. And at the end of this discussion, uh, my favorite disciple, Simon Peter, our hunting and fishing buddy, uh, you know, raises his hand and says, hey, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive somebody when they've wronged me? How many times? You can go to that next verse. How many times, Jesus, do I have to forgive my brother or sister who has harmed me? Now, Peter grew up uh, in studying you know, the Hebrew Bible and Hebrew school, and the early rabbis and the uh, commentators on the scripture had an answer to this. You want to know what the answer was? Three times. That was the answer. If somebody has harmed you, you've got to forgive them, but only three times. In fact, one of the commentators wrote this. They said, a man that commits a sin the first time, they pardon him. The second time, they pardon him. The third time, they pardon him. The fourth time, they don't pardon him, right? You forgive three times and then that's it. That's how they understood the scripture. That's when they were commentating on Amos, you know, the, 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 the prophet. This is how they understood it. So Peter comes to Jesus and he says, he wants to be really generous, right, when he's asking this question. He wants Jesus to think that he's very spiritually mature. So we ask the question, he says, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother when they sin against me? Is seven times enough? And what Peter's doing there is he's doubling, more than doubling the amount of times that it was told to him. So he thinks Jesus is going to say, wow, man, Peter is just like this spiritual giant. He's willing to forgive seven times when really you only have to forgive three times. Wow, my disciple is so mature, right? And Jesus says, actually, Peter, it's not seven times, but it's 77 times. In some translations, it may say 70 times seven daily. What Jesus is really saying is an infinite number of times. There is no cap on forgiveness. There is no end to forgiveness. You forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive. Now, when I read this, and I see this, this strikes me as counterintuitive. This strikes me almost as wrong as I'm reading Jesus' words. Because I think, wait a minute. What if the harm is egregious? I have to forgive then? What if the person doesn't repent or recant? Do I have to forgive them? What if they show no remorse? Do I have to forgive them? And as I'm thinking about preaching and praying about preaching on forgiveness, every time I I think about the people that I know I'm going to be speaking to who have experienced unbelievable, unimaginable pain in their life. Harm in their life that many, many people cannot even fathom. I'm thinking of the people who have been betrayed by someone who they loved and who was supposed to love them. I'm thinking of of, of the people who were cheated by somebody who they trusted. I'm thinking of the people who were abused physically, emotionally, sexually by someone who was supposed to protect them. I'm thinking of people who have been harmed in every imaginable way. And I'm thinking if you're in that person's mind and Jesus is saying, forgive, Your heart, because of the way we are, your heart wants to shrink away from that. Your heart doesn't agree with that immediately. You don't immediately go, yeah, that's a great idea. I think, "Mm, I get it. Yeah, I'll just forgive, right? And I think part of the reason is we get forgiveness 
twisted up and tied up in other expressions. We don't truly understand what forgiveness is. So Jesus is going to give us in this sermon three really important reasons to forgive. But before we get there, I want to pause and I want to explain what forgiveness is not. Because if you understand what forgiveness is not, then you can open the door to the actual act of forgiving. The first thing that forgiveness is not, it's not condoning the harm that was done to you. Condoning and forgiving are not the same thing. Right? When the, when the prophet Nathan came to David, David had committed all kinds of sins. He had committed adultery, he had committed murder, he had done all this stuff. Nathan the prophet came to him, and Nathan didn't say, hey, David, don't worry about it, man, it's all good. I can, you know, I'm, don't worry, don't worry about the sin, it's good. He forgave him, but he called him out. And David was punished as a result of the sin that he committed. So forgiveness, when I say forgive somebody, I'm not saying condone their actions, right? Forgiveness is not condoning. Forgiveness is not excusing. Excusing is like minimizing the thing, right? Like somebody harmed you and you go, well, I guess it really wasn't that bad, right? That's not what Jesus is calling you to do. He's not calling you to minimize it. Minimizing is untruthful, right? My son, Lincoln, and my older son, Jameson, when they kind of get playing, sometimes they get a little rough, and Jameson will sometimes, you know, trip him or do something kind of mean. And what Lincoln does, <laughs> and it's so sweet, I'll come in and Lincoln goes, he didn't mean to, it was an accident. He's like, he's like excusing his brother. He's minimizing his brother's uh, harm. And I'm like, no, Lincoln, he actually meant to trip you. Okay, let's just be clear. He actually meant to. Now, you can forgive him, but we're not going to excuse it. We're not going to act like it wasn't, like it was something that it wasn't. We're going to call it out for what it is. All right? So it's not excusing. Number three, it's not pardoning. It's not pardoning. Right? Pardoning means there are no consequences. That's not what it is. In fact, many years ago, uh, a family friend uh, who had experienced uh, sexual abuse when she was younger... Uh, was faced with a dilemma, and they called, they called me. She was faced with this dilemma because someone had abused her, and that same person then had abused others, and then that person was arrested, and they were going to have a trial uh, for this person. And this young woman called, and she was really sort of conflicted, and she was, she was asking me, like, on one hand, I feel like I should forgive, and on the other hand, I feel like I should be a witness in this trial to convict this person. And I said, those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can take the stand and, and bring justice and also forgive in your heart. So forgiving doesn't mean you're just pardoning the wrong that was done. In fact, a lot of times you can, you can, you can do better at justice if you forgive because then you're not thinking of revenge and retaliation. You're just thinking of justice, right? So pardoning and forgiveness are not the same thing. Those, those, you, can, you can forgive someone and also seek justice against that person. And the final thing is, forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Okay, If somebody harms you in a way that is not healthy for you to be around that person, you don't ha- just by forgiving them doesn't mean you got to be chummy-chummy with this person. In fact, you may never want to speak to them again. You know? There are people that... I have forgiven that I'm going to deny their friend request if they, friend, if they try to friend me, right? I don't want to talk to them. I forgive them, but it doesn't mean I have to reconcile with everyone, right? And so 
I, I want to tease that out for you and pull those, those ideas apart for you because forgiveness is not excusing, it's not condoning, it's not pardoning, it's not reconciling. What forgiveness is, is this. Forgiveness is letting go of the bitterness that you feel toward a person who has harmed you whether or not that person deserves it. It's an internal act on your, in your heart of letting go of the bitterness because the bitterness is killing you. It's not killing them. The bitterness is poisoning you. It's not poisoning them. Don't think that you're enacting justice upon that person by harboring resentment against them. You're not. You're harming yourself. Jesus gives three really powerful, powerful reasons to forgive, and I'm going to give them to you uh, right now. The first one is that unforgiveness shackles you to the one who harmed you. When you hold on to unforgiveness in your heart, you are guaranteed to be shackled to the person who harmed you. Cameron, can you come up here for just a second? I need to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get some audience participation. And I think Cameron's the man to do it. Come on, Cameron. This is Cameron, man. And this is a good guy right here. Um, all right, Cameron, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, let me, let, me, let me scoot this out of the way. I want you to tell Tyler that you don't like my preaching. I won't listen. You just tell Tyler. You just tell him. I mean, you didn't have to add stuff to it. Okay, Tyler, now you come tell me what Cameron said. He did, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he did. Okay, now, if I harbor unforgiveness in my heart for Cameron, so now I'm mad at him, right? I'm mad. He said something wrong about me, right? You want to know what happens to me and Cameron? He doesn't know it, but I'll show you what happens. Cameron, you ready for this? Here's what happens with Cameron. Now, Cameron and I are hanging out all the time. He doesn't even know it. But I'm at dinner going, hey, babe, how's it going? And in the back of my mind, I'm going, he doesn't like my preaching, man. Why doesn't he like my preaching, man? I work really hard. I'm out with friends at a ball game. Follow me around, Cameron. I'm at friends at a ball game. And I'm hanging out. Come on, come on, cards. Cameron doesn't like my preaching, man. What is up with that? And I'm mad at him, right? I go to sleep at night. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I wake up. There's Cameron. But here's the deal. We have the key to liberate us from being shackled to the people who have harmed us. And the key is unforgiveness. The key is letting go of the bitterness in my heart for Cameron, for what he said about me to somebody else. The key to me liberating myself from being shackled is forgiveness. Let's see if the key works. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go, Cameron. I'm going to pardon you. I'm forgiving you. Here we go. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to have to call the police officer in here. You want to hang up here and preach with me for the rest of the sermon? Um, okay. So by forgiving, by forgiving him, I'm saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to free myself. And, I, and, and I'm going to free Cameron from my unforgiveness and I'm going to let him go and I'm going to let myself be free I'm going to say Cameron take a hike 
Take a hike, Cameron. Don't hang around me when I'm having dinner. Cameron's awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. That's what it is. Forgiveness liberates you from the harm that was caused, that, that you experienced, that was caused by someone else. When you forgive, you're saying, and here's the spiritual principle. Here's why this works. Here's why this happens. Because when we forgive someone, what we're actually doing is we are entrusting the harm to the justice of God. We're saying, God, I trust in your justice. I can't make everything even Stephen, okay, in my life. I can't make everything even Stephen. But I trust that you are God and I am not. I trust in your strength. I trust in your might. I trust in your power. I trust in your justice. I'm entrusting the heart the heart and the hurt that I experienced to you. In fact, here's how Romans puts it. The Bible says this. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. When we forgive, we're saying, okay, God, I'm going to leave room. I'm going to put some room between me and the person who harmed me because I trust you. Because I trust in who you are. I trust in your love for me. I trust in your justice. I trust in, who, in, in your strength and your power and in your might. And I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let go of the bitterness in my heart. And I'm going to let you, I'm going to give it to you. And you carry it. And you bear it. Because I can't carry it anymore. So that's the first thing that forgiveness does. It liberates you. The second thing that forgiveness does is when you forgive, you dominate evil. Forgiveness dominates evil evil. I want to explain this because when you think about forgiveness, or at least when I think about forgiveness, sometimes forgiveness feels like losing. You know what I'm saying? Like by forgiving, am I just, am I just rolling over? Am I just losing? Am I just acquiescing? Am I just being passive when I forgive? Is that what's happening? I don't know. I mean, does anybody here like losing? Nobody likes losing, right? When I was a, when I was a freshman, they would bring me up uh, whenever there was a gap, in the, and I was a wrestler in high school, and if there was a gap on the varsity team, you know, in my weight group, they would bring me up. Well, I was 14, and I'm wrestling these, you know, 18-year-olds, and I was fine against the other 14-year-olds, but against the 18-year-olds, I was getting hammered. I was getting crushed. I was getting dominated, and I hated it, right? And, and when, we, when we have unforgiveness, or when we, have, when we try to forgive, we think, wait a minute, if I forgive, does that mean I'm just losing? Am I just losing? Am I, am I backing up here? Here's how the scripture describes forgiveness. And I love this. In, in Romans it says, do not, become, do not be overcome by evil, okay? But overcome, but dominate, but have victory over, but triumph over evil with good. And I thought, well, that's an interesting concept, right? Because forgiveness doesn't mean lose and say, okay, whatever, I give up. Forgiveness says, I'm going to actually overcome this evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil. So when you hold on to bitterness and you hold on to anger and you hold on to that wrath and that fury inside of you, you're being overcome. But when you forgive, you are overcoming it. Are you with me? I wondered this word. I said, overcome. Like, what, what is that word? So I like to go, when I'm studying, I kind of get down into the Greek, and I don't usually use it a lot because nobody cares except me, um, but I thought you might like it this time um, because I looked at the word, and in the Greek, here's what it is. 
Here's the word that Paul used. Nike. Nike. Triumph. Victory. Right? You know that swoosh, right? That's, that's the word that the sports company chose because it means win. It means dominate. It means triumph. It means overcome. That's why they sponsor you know, the, the, the best athletes because what they're saying is if you wear our product, you'll win, right? So Paul is saying, don't be LeBron james by evil. LeBron James evil with good. He's saying, don't be dunked on. Don't be overcome. Don't be held down. Don't be oppressed by evil, but overcome evil with good. Some of you have situations in your life right now that you need to overcome that are oppressing you, that are holding you down, that are holding you back, that are keeping you from expressing who you are, that are keeping you from having good relationships, that are keeping you from fulfilling the purpose that God has put in your life, and it's because you're being overcome by the anger, the pain, the resentment, the hurt that was done to you. And it's time to overcome that pain. It's time to overcome that evil through forgiveness, through letting it go. Through saying, God, I don't have the strength to do this on my own, but I trust in you, and I trust in your judgment, and I trust in your power. And the third reason that Jesus gives for forgiveness is that in order to get it, you've got to give it. In order to get it, you've got to give it. I'm going to close with this. Jesus tells a parable. After, while he's speaking with Peter and he's and, and talking about, you know, how many times do I forgive? And the parable he gives, I'm going to paraphrase it for you, but here's essentially what it says. He says, imagine that Bill Gates loaned you a million dollars and you can use that million dollars to do anything you want. You can go buy property. You can, you can buy a house. You can buy cars. You can start a business. You can open your own nonprofit. You can, with a million dollars, you can do whatever you want. And Bill Gates gives you that million dollars. And you go out and you start investing and you start trying to get that money back and, you know, you want to you pay Bill Gates back, right? And then imagine Bill Gates comes to you here in this theater and he says, hey, listen, I was just taking a look to see if he was here, but he's not. Okay, all right, we'll talk about it. And Bill Gates comes to you and he says, hey, I want my million dollars back. You, I loaned you the money. And now it's time to repay. I've got my contract. And it says right here, you got to pay me back. And with interest. And here's what I want my money back. And you say to Bill Gates, you say, Bill, man, I have been trying. I've been struggling. I've been working. I'm striving to pay you back. But I don't have the million dollars. Bill says, but the contract's due. And you say, I know it's due. But I don't have it. And I, I, you know, I'll try to get it. But I just, I don't have it right now. And he says, Bill Gates then turns to you and says, you know what? I'm going to forgive that debt. You know what? Don't, I'm going I'm to forgive the million dollars, right? I'm not going to make you pay the million dollars, right? And you go, oh my gosh, Bill. Th- I mean, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I don't have to pay you back the million dollars? No, nope, you don't have to pay me. I got the contract, but I'm not going to enforce the contract. And you go, wow, that is awesome. And you leave here, and you go out onto the Del Mar Loop, and you're feeling so happy and you're walking down, you know, down the street. You're going to go to Blueberry Hill and order some beans and rice. And you'll walk down there and you see a guy across the street that owes you 10 bucks. And you go, you know what? That guy owes me 10 bucks. Hold on a second. And you cross the street and you go over to that guy and you go, hey man, 
you owe me 10 bucks. And that guy goes, I know, I know, I, I know you loan me 10 bucks, and I just, but I don't have it. I mean, and you go, hey, you owe me $10. And, and, and you pin this guy up against the wall, and you say, I want my money back. And right when you're doing that, Bill Gates comes walking by. And he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? And you're like, this guy owes me $10. And Bill goes, wait a second. Didn't I just forgive you a million-dollar debt? And you go, yeah. Bill Gates is going to say, you know what I'm going to do? Actually, I'm going to go to my lawyers. I'm going to file a case to get my money back from you. Get ready, because I'm about to bury you, right? Why? Because you didn't forgive somebody that owed you $10 when I gave you a a million-dollar freedom. I forgave you a million dollars. And then Jesus says, this is what our heavenly father is like. He says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will not forgive you. He can't do it. He can't just say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about forgiving others. I'm going to forgive you. He's saying, look, this is what it's like. You've got to forgive. You've got to give it in order to get it. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be victorious. And he wants you to be forgiven. And so he's teaching us throughout the scripture to let go of that bitterness towards that person who harmed you. Let that go. Whatever that is for you, whether it is a small hurt, whether it is a large hurt, whether it is a series of hurts, whether it's a pain that you haven't even tapped into for a while. Sometimes we don't even know that we have unforgiveness in our heart because that part of our heart has become calloused over. But today I want to challenge you. Drill deep. Go deep into your own experience. Go deep into your own life. Go deep into your own past. Where are you harboring unforgiveness? Where are you holding it? Who have you not forgiven? Who have you not released when your Heavenly Father is releasing you? Who have you not let go because he wants you to be free and he wants you to be strong and he wants you to be forgiven what i want to do now is i want to pray for us but before i do we need to fix something turn to the person on your left and say i forgive you doesn't that feel better than saying i don't like you either You're going to be happy all day. You're not going to be suffering with the bitter pill. That's what it's about. It's about becoming liberated from the bitterness that will haunt you and hold you and oppress you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And as I'm praying, I want you to be thinking deep in your heart, in your mind, is there anyone that you haven't released? Is there anyone that you haven't forgiven? Maybe it's God. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's a student. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Let them go. Unshackle yourself from the pain and the harm that was done to you by forgiving them. Let me pray for us. Let's all close our eyes. Father, today we come before you in the face of this incredible truth. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would indeed give us the strength and the courage by the power of your spirit, to forgive those who have harmed us, to let them go, to let the bitterness out of our life, to 
to let the anger out of our life, to let the frustration out of our life, to let the harm out of our life, and to forgive them for the harm they did. We don't justify it. We don't condone it. We don't pardon it. We don't have to reconcile God, but we let the bitterness go. We let them go. We liberate ourselves from the pain and the shackles of unforgiveness today. We turn them over to you. We entrust them to you, God. And we experience your freedom. And we experience your strength. And we experience your freedom. And for this, Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the power. In Jesus' name, amen. Let them go. Let them go. Music team, if you guys would come up. I want to invite you, as we close out the service here, to worship with us in a few different ways. One of the ways that we worship is through prayer. If you have a prayer request, get your connection card out and fill it out and you can drop it into one of the baskets here in just a moment. This is, this is powerful. Asking our team to pray for you and, and letting them pray for you through the week, this is powerful. If you want to sign up for wrap, wrap and pack or volunteer or any, anything you want to communicate with us, let us know on this connection card. Another way that we worship here, and this is for those of you who call this your church home, we worship through giving and through generosity, not only for the work that we do here at the church, for our operations and staff, but for the work that Kirk described with Father Support Center and all of the many agencies that we support throughout the country, throughout the world. That's your generosity that does that. We've given... Uh, over $120,000 away in the last few years. We're going to give away tens of thousands of dollars this year. I say give away, but we're actually investing it, investing it into the work that other people are doing that we believe in, that we're not equipped to do ourselves. Uh, and so I just invite you to come and be a part of that. Partner with us as we partner with them uh, and serve the world around us. And then the third way that we worship is we take this bread at these four stations and we dip it in the cup. And what we're doing is we're saying, he forgave us. He forgave us. He took our sin. He took our pain. He took our shame upon him, spread himself out on the tree and was crushed for us, broken for us. His body was broken. His blood was spilled. And so we take the bread and the cup and we remember the sacrifice that he made so that we could be forgiven. And in that moment, we say, yes, and we forgive too. We remember your grace and we extend grace. Remember your mercy and we extend mercy. We remember your love and we extend love. If you're here today and you're not ready to participate in any of those things, no problem. You can just sing with us. You can just open your voice, open your mouth, let it go and sing with us as our worship team sings. Let's all stand together. Come and worship with us now or sing with our team. God bless you. Amen. changed, healed, free. 
Your 